You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. So welcome and happy new year to all of you. Did everybody have a good New Year's? Anyone do anything exciting, anything special? Well, guess what we did? We have some dear friends who have been in the country now for about two years from Austria, and they're here actually with us today. Alex and her brother Martin, give them a hand. And so they invited us to their home for New Year's Eve. And being at my age, we celebrated New York style. By 9 o'clock, we were gone, you know. <laughs> so we got there, and there were more Austrians there at this celebration than I've met outside of Austria. And there, we had such a great time, and just a great time of getting to know each other, fellowship. And one guy even went to the same high school as my wife, Birgit, way back in a little town in Austria. So that was really fascinating. So... Um, I hope you had a good time, too. And this is the first Sunday of 2022. And um, Pastor Peter, he's on a much-needed little getaway. He'll be back again next week. But, you know, Peter, as our pastor, how many appreciate Peter leading this church, you know? I think he's really, yeah, give him a hand. I think he's done a great job this last year. But i got to tell you something. I've been his brother all his life. <laughs> I'm actually the older brother, even though I look much younger. But uh, this is not Peter's first church. He was a pastor way back when we were kids growing up, and I call it the first church of the roly-poly. Now, do you guys remember when your kids, those little pill bugs, they crawl a lawn, and then they get in little balls, and they kind of round up like little BBs or something? Well, in our house when we grew up, they used to, every morning, they'd be on their back, and all their little legs are kind of going back and forth, and they could never turn over. So every morning before school, Peter was probably about seven years old, he would go out in the backyard and turn each one over. <laughs> and I mean, he would sometimes be out there 15 minutes turning over roly-polies. So I say, Peter, first pastorship was of the first church of the roly-poly. <laughs> but he's always had a heart for people and for things and... Uh, we miss him. So if you remember two years ago, uh, I stood here. The elders actually stood here. It was just after a former pastor had stepped down. And I felt the Lord impress me to say, the best is yet to come. How many remember that? You remember that? And I really felt the Lord saying that. So I shared it. And then, of course, what happened? We had COVID. The church was closed down for a year, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I can't show my face in church anymore. I hope everybody forgets what I said, because this doesn't seem like the best is happening right now in our church. But you know what? 2021, things started to change. Things started to get better. It was a year ago, we were still in the back patio, and every week, every month, it started to get better. And uh, my... Uh, niece, Crystal, she was saying she's going to Biola University, and she was in a class, and each one had to go around and tell about their church, and so she was telling about all the kind of bad things, everything that happened, everybody in the class, wow, that's terrible, oh, that's so bad, and one student said, well, how is it today, and she said, you know what, it's better than it's ever been, it's doing great, the youth are wonderful, 
The worship is great. The church is doing wonderful, and the Spirit of the Lord is there, and people are really receiving from God. So you know what? The best has yet come. And I believe in 2022, it will be a great year. This is going to be a great year for each of us, for your church, for your family, and for you personally. I believe this can be a great year. If the Lord is with you in 2022, nothing is impossible. Remember that as your motto. If the Lord is with you in 2022, nothing is impossible. And he wants to, he wants to be with you. So we're going to read a scripture in a second, but before I do, I'm going to share a story with you. So way back in college, I was finishing my freshman year, and I was in a German class, and I didn't know what I was going to do that summer. And so someone came in, and they say, we have a program where we take American students, and you can go and study in Europe and uh, work in Europe. It was a work exchange program, and students from over there would come and work over here, Disneyland, things like that. So I kind of raised my hand. Next thing I knew it, I was on a plane to Hamburg, Germany, and I got a job in a department store. Now, I just had one year of college German at this point, and uh, I got to the store, something like a Macy's, and I went in to see the boss, and his name was Herr Steer. And his title, it took me about a week to be able to say this, but I can say it now, Der Verwaltungsgeschäftswarenhausführer. That was his title. And so I went into his office bright and early, and I was excited. And he goes, okay, welcome to the store. You can go around for the next few hours, find this department you want to work in, come back and tell me after lunch, and that's where you work. So there's clothing, there's women's goods, there's dishes. But then, back then, they had a record department, okay? So, of course, when they play music there, most of it's all American, so, of course, I went and I said, I want to work in the record department. So I started in the record department, and sometimes I got homesick, and whatever I did, I turned the music up real loud so the whole store here, and I'd play the Beach Boys. I wish they all could be California girls. <laughs> and I think he got annoyed with me. And so one day he called me into his office, and he says, George, and it was at the end of the day, he said, tomorrow I have an assignment for you. I want you to go to the store two doors down. It was like the equivalent of, say, Nordstrom's, and we were at Macy's. And he says, I want you to stand in front of the door from the moment it opens at 9 in the morning until it closes at 5 in the afternoon, and I want you to count every person that goes in the store. And I was so upset. I thought, what in the world? I thought, Does he, is this because I'm American? Because I'm a foreigner? Why is he doing this to me? So I had to take the train back home, and I was fuming. And I thought, well, I reason he can't fire me because this is some international program, so I can't be fired. So I thought, what can I do to get back at him? And I'm thinking about all the things I should do to kind of get out of this, and I'm trying to scheme and outwit him. But guess what? The story continues, and I'm going to continue this a little in a few minutes. But first, I want to read the scripture for the day, Okay. <laughs> This is Matthew 25. Okay. So let's read this here. It says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. 
The man who had received the five bags gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who, with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, say after a long time. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Mastery said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Say hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, that's a powerful, a powerful parable here. Um, I was talking with someone last night, a neighbor, my next-door neighbor, and he says, man, God was really mean to that guy. And uh, I tried to explain a little bit more about it. But first of all, it says again. The very first scripture, it says again. And when he says again, what that means, the, the parables before that, he was talking about the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of heaven is like. So when he said here again, the kingdom of heaven is like, and it's like a man going on a journey a master, a ruler, someone with wealth, with power. It could be an employer, a boss, uh, a father. And it's also symbolic of Christ, our Lord. He was going on a long journey. And he called his servants. So who were his servants? These are not people off the street that he just said, hey, come here. These are people that worked for him. This could be considered family, employees, his team, his followers, it can also be considered Christians. You know, we have the symbolism of the Father and symbolism here of the Christians, the, the servants of Christ. So they worked for him. They were not strangers. They had a relationship with him. And he gave each one talents based on their ability. He knew each of these people. He knew each of these three servants. And so he gave them a talent. He gave each one a talent based on how they could handle it, what they can do with it. So 
What is a talent? Well, here, it's considered, they say a bag of gold, but a talent really in that day was uh, something, it's a form of currency with significant value. It represents money, it represents treasure, it represents value, uh, it represents your time. So something that servants, what they received, they could never obtain on their own. Those talents are something they would never be able to obtain unless someone gave it to them. A free gift, something that was given to them. And it represents also for us God's salvation. His sacrifice on the cross, that he paid the price and gave us something so valuable, so important, such a great treasure that there's nothing we could ever do to purchase that or obtain that. And that's why we become his servants, followers of Christ, Christians, people who follow him. And so each one received a talent, five, two, and one. And they were entrusted with something with tremendous value. And the master left his treasure, his wealth, the most important thing to him with his servants. He gave it to them. And he went on a long journey. He went away for a long time. So they knew what the master expected. They knew what the master was requiring of them. And what did they do? The first one, it says immediately he went out and invested that and got five more. So he was given five and got five more. One received two. He got two and received two more. And one, he received one, and at the end when it was all over, he still had the one. He was afraid, and he gave it back. And what is the first thing he did? He blamed the boss. Well, you're a hard man. You know, he didn't appreciate what he received. He didn't appreciate what he had. And immediately he went and hid and did nothing. So this master gave them something so important. It's like the, the Lord, our Lord, he comes into your life. He comes into this world and gives us his salvation. He dies on the cross. We come to the point we accept him as our Savior and Lord. And people have different experiences with him different experiences. The Bible says who much is forgiven, you know, um, much is required. And, and, and sometimes you see people that have tremendous testimonies of deliverance and things. They're the most on fire people. And, you know, it goes through the whole spectrum of thing. But God gave them talents. He gave them abilities. And he gave each of us talents, each of us ability. And when we use those for the Lord, we can accomplish great things. And it's important. We have a responsibility to do that. So what happened to those? The two that invested and got a return on it brought the Lord something more than he started with. They received promotion. They received a bonus. They received an advancement and a share of the profits. He says, come share in your master's happiness. What does that mean? Okay, your master, if, if I send someone out and I say, hey, here's $5,000, invest it, and he comes back a couple weeks later and has $10,000, i am going to be happy. And to share in that happiness, I'm going to say, hey, you know what? You made me $5,000 here. Take $2,000 or take $2,500 or whatever. I'm going to be very glad. But if you have someone comes out and they don't do anything with it, you're not going to be so happy. Can I get an amen there? All right. So... 
if you are a follower of Christ, you have been given talents. And a talent is a treasure. It's salvation. It's a gift that you use for his kingdom. And there's so much we can learn in life from this story. This is one of my favorite parables because it applies to absolutely every area of our life. It applies to two things, really. It talks about the marketplace, your work life, your daily life outside the church, what you do, your job, your relationship with other people, what you do for a living, your business relationships. And it also talks about the Great Commission, advancing the kingdom of God. He's talking here about the advancement of the kingdom of God. And there is really no distinction between your church life and your personal life. Your walk with the Lord is your walk with the Lord. It should be that way every day in every circumstance, right? That's how it should be. Some people say, well, you know, I went to church on Sunday and I was good, but during the week, you know, I kind of live like the world, or you would never know. I have a guy that we bike with sometimes, and, you know, we bike Saturday mornings, and he's one of the guys in our group, and I really don't like biking with this guy that much because he has such a filthy mouth. Everybody is pretty clean except this guy, and he's got a dirty mouth, and... uh, so, you know, it's a Saturday morning, and we got talking, and I thought, okay, I've had enough of this. And I'm like, uh, so I'm not going to say his name. Some of you might know him. <laughs> he doesn't go here, so. And I said, um, do you ever go to church? He goes, oh, yeah, I go to the church, and everybody would know it if I mentioned it. He goes, yeah, I go there every Sunday. Oh, it's a great, and then he starts talking like, like a preacher. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this doesn't make sense. What happened? And I tried to talk to this guy and say, hey, you know. He goes, yeah, maybe I need to watch it and watch what I say. But, you know, the point is there is no distinction between how we are on Sunday and how we are during the week with our work. We should be the same all the time. And it's not because we're in church or we're in the world. It's because we're in Christ. And we have him in our life. And he came into our life. And he changed our life. And he's given us a talent a treasure, something very important that we could never obtain on our own. So you are responsible for what God has given you. It doesn't just start with all of a sudden you're saved and you have salvation and that's it. You have a responsibility. That's when the work begins. That's when your walk with him begins. That's when your uh, duties begin in the marketplace as this parable leads and also in advancing the Great Commission. And when you use your talents, there's rewards for using them. And there's consequences for not using them. So when the Lord says in the Great Commission, go and preach the gospel to all people, this is not just something like, well, yeah, okay, that's for him over there, or him over there, but that's not for me. That's for all of us as believers. That's for all of us. That's our calling. That's what the Lord has called us to do. And you have a talent that is very unique to you. Very unique to you. There are things that you can do that nobody else can do. Things that you can do for God that only you can do. And you need to fulfill that. Your talent is what God has given you. It will be... It's to be an example for the kingdom of God in everything that you do. Let's take, like I say, there's two areas. This kind of one that I say is work, 
and one that is advancing the kingdom of God. Let's take the marketplace. Are you, let me ask you this question, are you a good example for the Lord on your job? Are you a good example for him when you're working in what you do? If you're a student, are you a good example for the Lord in your school with your fellow students? Think about it. Are you an example for him? Are you living for him on the job just as you are living for him and behaving in church? You should be an example in your daily life, not by what you say, but also by what you do. We can witness for Christ and be an example to him by how we work. Let's take Terry Martin. How many know Terry Martin? Terry Martin, who was a dear member of this church, passed away a few years back now, and he was one of the most prolific surfboard shapers of all time. He is credited with creating more surfboards than anyone else in history. Over 80,000 surfboards. And he was a member of this church. So the surfing culture, as you know, can be kind of edgy and, you know, a lot of uh, stuff going on. But he was a Christian. And he used his ability to shape surfboards to minister to young people. And he would mentor them. And he would take them under his wings. I know our son David, he had such an influence on his life. He met our son when he was about 14 years old and saw that he had an interest in surfing. So he would pick him up, drive him to the beach, watch him surf. And this is a surfing legend. This is not just a surfboard shaper. This guy is a real legend. And he had such an interest and he would share the gospel with our son and take an interest in him and help him shape surfboards together and create surfboards and all these things that he used his career, his job, his talent, his talent of shaping surfboards to be an influence and a blessing to young people. And there's countless young people out there today that have been touched and influenced by Terry Martin. Now, that is his talent. That's not my talent. It might not be your talent. I couldn't shape a surfboard that would float. <laughs> so that is his talent. And our work life is so important. And we really don't hear that that much these days, but it really is. Martin Luther said, your everyday work is imbued with spiritual significance. The works of the pastors do not differ in the sight of God from the works of the rustic labor in the field. Did you get that? You know, people sometimes think, oh, the work of the pastor is so much important. It's so important who's up here. But your job out in the marketplace is just as important, how you affect people and the example that you are in your daily work. There's another description, if we can put a uh, scripture on the... in. Colossians 3.23, and it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, whatever you do, it could be as simple as your job working. It could be as simple as being with your family. It could be as simple as just your interaction at the store with someone or driving. Does anyone have a problem with driving like me? Sometimes you're driving down the highway and you're speeding along and all of a sudden someone gets in your way and you're like, you know, you don't want to be so Christian sometimes at that point. But it says whatever you do, that includes driving. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. 
So you have to remember, have a different mindset, a different mentality this year in 2022 when you go to work. Don't blame your boss. Don't be like the servant that just had the one talent and hid it and did nothing. And what did he do? The first thing, he blamed his boss for his problem. He didn't do what he was supposed to do, and he blamed his boss. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. There's something called the Christian work ethic. Have you ever heard of that? It's something imbued really in the history of this country, and it's based on Christian work and hard work. And sometimes we've lost that today. Some people have it and some people don't. But um, throughout history, Christians were known by their work ethic. Back in the Middle Ages in um, Bohemia, in the European areas, there was a group of people called the Piasts. And they were very strong believers and they believed in the Lord. And how they witnessed to people was by their work. If they were working on a job, they would work harder and better than anyone else. And because of that, they became, all their bosses and employers became Christians through the workers, the lowly workers of what they were doing because of the example they were and the witness. Because they said, why are you working? You know, the clock ended, you know, five o'clock and you're still going on. And finally they realized these were Christians and they had a stronger work ethic than anyone else. So... How many want to make that your mission in 2022? Be a witness for the Lord in every area of your life. And don't blame your boss. You know, I got to tell you a story, and I, I, something honestly, you know, we have some employees, and some of the worst problems I've had always came from employees who claim, claim to be Christians. <laughs> Sadly, I don't know if you can ever relate to that, um, but it's true. One woman that worked for us, she was a Christian and she went to church and she's always talking about God, but she's not quite living, not walking the talk, as they say. And this woman was a nightmare. She wouldn't do her job. She would complain. She always thought she knew better. And it just, you know, some people just suck all the life out of you. And this woman was one of those people. And I'm praying, Lord, can, you know, I didn't want to fire her because I was afraid she's going to sue me for something. So I thought, Lord, let her quit. So she quit. She gave me her notice. And I'm thinking, yes, praise God. What an answer to prayer. (laughs) And, you know, she was so nice when she quit. She wrote me a nice letter. And it said, Dear George, Thank you for giving me this job opportunity. This was one of the best jobs I've had. You were one of the best jobs, or best bosses I ever had. I loved working for you, and I hope I can work for you in the future. And I thought, that's great. I put it in her file. Six months later, we got sued. She took us to the labor board, and so we were in front of the judge, and I just knew she was going to explode. And I'm thinking, how can this woman do this? She claimed to be a Christian. We did treat her very fair. And now all of a sudden she's suing us. So we're in front of the judge and she's the plaintiff, the one suing. So she goes first and she said, this was the worst boss I ever had. He was so mean to me. He was so bad. He worked me 24-7. Because she was saying she didn't get all her pay, you know, because she worked more hours than she was supposed to. And she goes, I really worked 24 hours, seven days a week. And they just, really? Yes, I did. Seven days a week. When did you sleep? I wasn't able to sleep for those two years. It was terrible. He was such a rotten guy. 
And I'm just fuming, but I thought, you know what? I got the ace in my back pocket. So the judge says, uh, Mr. Klaus, do you have anything to say? I said, yes, Your Honor. This is a letter that she wrote to me about a week before she quit. <laughs> and the judge read it and said, case dismissed. You know, <laughs> she lost all her credibility. I'm happy that we won, but I'm sad that there are people that claim to be Christians that behave that way in their work life, in how they treat other people and what they do in business. You know, you need to treat others it says here, work to them with all your ability like you're working for Christ. Again, Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as, not working, for, as working for the Lord and not for men. Remember, you and your job, you're an example. People look at you and you want to be an example, right? Okay. So... It's funny because the servant with the one talent, he still got a talent. He got something of value, and he completely abdicated his responsibility. And the first thing he did, he blamed the boss. You know, can you imagine getting a gift for Christmas, and you open it? Well, I don't like this. This is not what I wanted for Christmas. And complaining about your gift? You know, you just don't do that. So anyway, the first thing he did was blame the boss and says, well, you're a hard man, and I was afraid. So I went and hid your talent. And uh, Jesus says, you wicked servant, and took the talent and gave it to the one who had the most talents. So there's a principle. If you use your talents and you use what God has given you, he will give you more talents that other people don't use. If they're not going to use their talent, the Lord will give you that talent. And it says... He who has will have more. That's really kind of, in some ways, seems to go against the gospel, seems to go against a lot of how scripture is taught, but it's not. So don't blame others for your responsibility. Go ahead and do what the Lord has you to do. Because it was the same thing in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. First of all, they were in the garden. They sinned and walked in the garden, and God came, and he was walking in the garden, and they hid because they were afraid. So there's no excuse. Well, you know what? I didn't share the gospel today because I was afraid. I didn't uh, use my talent because I was afraid. In the Bible, fear not or do not be afraid is mentioned 365 times. That's one for every day. One for yesterday, one for today, one for tomorrow, all the way through December 31st. So you're covered. There's no reason to be afraid. Do not be afraid, because many times God will ask you to do something beyond your capacity or beyond your comfort zone. He'll ask you to do something that you really don't want to do. But go ahead and do it. When the Lord says do it, follow him. That is using your talent. You know, my wife, she has this gift much more so than me. We're sitting at home a few years ago, and we had new neighbors that moved in right next door, okay? An elderly couple, and they moved in right next door. And you know, it's one thing when they say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's fine to go far away or across to another town, but your next door neighbor, that can be kind of scary because, you know, this is someone you're going to see every day for the rest of your life. You're going to see them in your good times when you're happy. You're going to see them when you're mean. You're going to see them. They're going to see all your personalities. They're going to see your family. They're going to see everything. And sometimes you're afraid and think, well, 
I can't tell them about the Lord. I'm just, that just, you know, it's a little too close to home. It hits a little too close to home. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever have that? Yes. So with my wife, we're sitting at home on a Sunday afternoon, and she says, you know, the Lord told me to go to our next door neighbors and pray for them. I thought, well, guess what, sweetie? He didn't tell me, so I'm just going to stay home. <laughs> so sure enough, she picked up her Bible. She went next door, knocked on the door. The daughter answered, and she explained, you know, because she knew the, the elderly parents were dying. And they were in bed, and um, they were non-Christians. They had a lot of kind of Middle Eastern mystical statues around the house and things like that. And so my wife says to that, is it okay if I come in and pray for your parents? And she's like, well, you know, we're really not religious, but, well, I guess so, you know. Nothing else is working, so, yeah, come on in. So my wife went to the bedroom. The elderly man is in a state of semi-unconsciousness, and she reads the scripture, takes him by the hand, and prays for him. Tears come down his eye. You can see a little joy, a little reaction on his face. And that night, he passed away. So I'm so excited because when my wife gets to heaven, she'll get to see this saint. I bet he'll be there to greet you when you get to heaven about leading him to the Lord on his deathbed. So look at the use of that talent. Doing something like that when the Lord calls you to do it, you have no idea why sometimes or no idea the rewards that are going to be there, eternal life for someone. So don't be afraid. Don't go ahead and hide your talent. She could have very easily been like me and think, well, the Lord didn't call me. I'm just going to kind of stay here. It's Sunday afternoon. We were in church. We were close to God already. I don't need to go to the neighbor. I mean, I don't even know these. What are they going to think about me? They're going to see me pull up and go, oh, there's that crazy guy who wants to pray for people. But you do it. You do it because that is the talent that God has given you. Amen? So let's get back to my train ride home from the department store in Hamburg. Okay? So I thought, going home, I'm not going to do what my boss wanted me to do. And then, next morning, I'm driving to work on the train, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. So I went there, 9 o'clock. I felt so stupid. You know, I'm 20 years old a college student, you know, I'm working in this nice record department, meeting young people, learning my German, and I'm having to stand like the guys, you know, ringing the bell there at Christmas time for the Salvation Army, but not even that glamorous, and count every single person who walked through the store. And he wanted the next morning when I showed up a report on how many people went to the store. And so I thought, okay, I want to be a good example as a Christian as an American and as an employer, because I took that scripture seriously, do it as unto God and not as unto man. So I counted everybody, and that night I went home and I prepared a graph. How many people from 9 to 10, how many from 10 to 11, and a graph, how many people total, how many people came and gone at different times, and mostly men, mostly women, was it older? I mean, I gave this guy more information than he ever dreamed possible because I knew what he really wanted me to do. He wanted to punish me for playing the Beach Boys too loud in the record department. And I sat there, and he looked at it, and I could see his eyes getting big, and I thought, I knew he was impressed, but Germans, they're not going to tell you. That's great. They say, okay, Mr. Klaus, thank you. Now you can go back to work. (laughs) 
But you know what? I did that because that was the right thing to do. And you know, the guy long ago forgot about this, but I didn't because I was doing something as unto the Lord. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. And not only is it in our workplace, but it's also in advancing the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus gave this parable here of the talents before there was a great commission. He didn't give a great commission here, even though this parallels the great commission. The great commission was the last words that Jesus spoke. And the great commission was not possible because what is the great commission? Go share the gospel. Tell the world about the Lord. And what is the gospel? Jesus came to earth. He died. He was resurrected for our salvation. But the gospel wasn't there yet because Jesus hadn't died yet or wasn't resurrected. So he gives a parallel here in this parallel about the Great Commission, about using what God has given you. One thing God has given each of us is a testimony. Do you have a testimony? You know, there's one talent that you can use that you will be rewarded for, and that is sharing your testimony. When you meet someone, you tell them what the Lord has done for you. What has he done in your life? What has he done for you? How has he changed your life? That is a story that no one can dispute. Your experience with the Lord. What he's done for you. And that is what we're called to do. That is what we're called to do. Share your testimony. Share your faith. And not only just share it, but make sure that you are that example. When you're in work... Go the extra mile. With young people, I like to, you know, we used to have a teenage home group at our home a few years ago, and I'd always tell the people, the kids are always looking for summer jobs. I said, if you want to be successful at the summer job, show up 10 minutes early and stay 10 minutes late. And remember, it's not about you. It's about the company. If you're working in In-N-Out Burger, they're not, don't think, well, how much are you going to pay me? Well, what? It's not about you. It's about them selling hamburgers. The more hamburgers they sell, the more they can pay you. And the more you help them to sell those hamburgers, the higher your wages are going to be and the higher you're going to advance in the company. And it's the same with the kingdom of God. The more you share for him, the more you do for him, the more of an example you are for him, the more talents he gives you. And he gives you those talents. That's why what seems to be unfair, well, wait a second. This guy with the one talent, he didn't steal the one talent. He didn't go out and spend it. He hid it in the ground. He gave back to his master exactly what he was given. He didn't take anything. He was honest. But he was still a fool. And he said, you wicked, lazy servant, and was cast out into darkness. So I want you to use what the Lord has given you in 2022. And I'm going to call Gary up. And Gary's going to lead us in a few songs. But, um, you know, give your best to the Lord in 2022. Do your best for him. You know, like Terry Martin, he had such an influence on so many people. And I remember at his funeral, young people getting up, young people talking about the influence that he's had in their life. And he used his talent as a surfboard shaper to influence many in the surfing culture here in California. And there's many people going to heaven because of that, because of that testimony. You be that person. You be that one to use your talent for God. So the Lord is with you 
in 2022. He's with you. You walk with him. Go with him. Let's all stand as we're here. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.